Lord. I'm going to pray right quick, then we take our seats, if you don't mind. Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord God, for the opportunity, Lord God, to share with your people what you have shared with me. Father God, I ask you, Lord God, to uh, be the biggest part of me, Lord God, that everything, Lord God, that is spoken comes from you, Lord God, and very little is from me, Lord God. We ask you to have your way, Lord God. Open the hearts and minds of your sons and daughters, Lord God, that they would receive, Lord God, and apply today, Lord God, what you have for them today. And all these blessings we ask your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody doing okay? I'd like to tell you I won't be before you long. I got about 20 minutes worth of notes, so uh, if, it is, if it goes any longer, that's uh, the Holy Spirit, so you can just blame him. All right? Wonderful. So glad to be here before you today. Also so glad, uh, first and foremost, of the opportunity to share with you. I know this is a calling that I have on my life, and I'll be... Uh, to be really nervous, but I'm more excited about the opportunity that I am of the nervousness. I know it is a great opportunity. I thank uh, Elder Clem, Elder Willie, for your prayers. Uh, man, it was just really a blessing to me, so I appreciate that so much. For those that you do have your Bibles, um, be coming from Matthew 25. It's going to be the theme behind the, uh, the lesson today. It's going to be uh, it's going to be one of my favorite parables. I, I love the parables. And this is the parable of the talents, if you guys. If you do not have a Bible, I would ask you to move and sit with someone unless you have it electronically on your devices. Amen? So that's uh, uh, Matthew 25. We started the 20, uh, 14th verse. You want to put it up on the board for us, sir, and I thank you so much. So what are we talking about today? First and foremost, I want to give honor to uh, Apostle David, Apostle, uh, Pastor Linda, um, for the leadership, Pastor uh, Burleson. Thank you for all of you, church family, because I really appreciate you. I could not be here without you. Um, I enjoyed uh, two series that the Apostle David was uh, talking about. He was been talking about the uh, a problem with the pattern. Really blessed my heart. Really just, just stayed with me. And then Apostle, uh, Pastor Linda, she's been talking about remember what she's been talking about, the series she's been on? The church, that's right. And it's really been, God's been really asking me, uh, telling us in, in, in those messages what our position is and what, our, what, what we should be doing. And I am here just to follow along with what both of them were talking about. Today I want to talk to you about what is our role right here, right now in the church, okay? It's been said before. You just give me a new way to say it, all right? So I want you to say with me, upward, inward, Outward. And when I say upward, inward, outward, I'm talking about upward is glorifying God. Inward is edifying the body. And outward is evangelism. Some of our uh, basic tenets for being a Christian, right? Upward is to glorify God. Inward is to edify the saints. And outward is to evangelize. Tell the world about what Jesus is doing and share the good news of what he is. So why are we here? Why are we here? I want, first, and for, first and foremost, I want to glorify God. So I want you to go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. One of my favorite scriptures. I truly, truly love this scripture. Constantly, it's one of my favorites. I try to do my best to live by it. But as Christians, we try to live by the word of God. Am I right? We try our best to try to live by the word of God. I 
learned a little something about uh, a little bit more, even though it's my favorite scripture. As you continue to read uh, the Bible, you always learn a little bit more, a little bit more about it, and I just really appreciate it. So um, I'm going to read it before you. I got the uh, New King James Version, but whatever you put up on the board is fine. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, I'm talking about right now glorifying God, if you're taking notes. First step. So when it comes to glorifying God, I want to ask is, do we honor God with our lives? In Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us that plain uh, pattern of what we need to be doing. And I like this part about the living sacrifice because in the Jewish culture, they sacrificed animals. For some of you that did not know, they sacrificed animals, but it was a one-time sacrifice, a one-time atonement for whatever sin or singular sin that you did. And based on what you did, they had an animal that would conflict, not conflict, but that was a... um, related to that sin, whatever sin that you had. But in the Jewish culture, that there was a one-time sacrifice for the atonement of the sins that we did. But he said here in Romans, as uh, uh, Paul had talked to the Romans, he said a living sacrifice. And what I love about this, that it is continuous. And in this, in this uh, when he says sacrifice, what, I've, what I studied is that it means dedication. That means I am dedicated to, to presenting to you. That means whatever it is in my life that you are asking for, Lord, I'm dedicated to giving you, and it will be a sacrifice. If you did not know, if you've already been walking with God, you already know it will be a sacrifice. There are some things that our flesh enjoys, right? And then if, we, if God is calling us to this standard that we are supposed to be living by, it will be a sacrifice because we have been taught by the world over and over again, over, for me, 30, 39 years, I've been taught by the world a lot of things. So that means that there has to be a renewing of your mind where you see in Verse uh, 2, that there has to be a constant renewing of your mind because if we are not careful, what will happen? We will go right back to those things that we learned from the world, okay? So, and another thing about it is holy and acceptable. A Jewish sacrifice required unspotted. Now, uh, another thing about the sac- sacrifice is that it required unspotted, unblemished sacrifices. That means if your, your calf had any sickliness, sickliness in it, if it was too weak, He didn't want that. If it had any blemishes, if it had any type of spots, he did not want that. Whatever your sacrifice was, and what I also love is I was thinking about back to Cain and Abel. You guys remember Cain and Abel? For those that you do know, I'm going to talk to ones that may not know. Cain and Abel, first two sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain was a, he was a tiller of the ground, which he was a farmer. Abel was, he was a tiller of, I mean, he kept the sheep, he kept the livestock. So that they would give sacrifices unto God, Abel gave unto God the first fatling, the fatted calf, the best one, all right? And uh, Cain, he gave the, what came from the ground. And he, I'm not, and God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice, but he was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. So I was always wondering, why was it? Was it because he didn't, want the, uh, he didn't want the fruit of the ground? But no, it was the way he presented his sacrifice unto God. It was not the best. You know, when you put out, when you have guests, you put out, the best for them, or do you give them what is left over? So when you're sacrificing to God, he knows 
You can try to fool us all the day long, but he knows what you're presenting if it's not the best. He knows that when you say, God, I want to read my word today, if you read just a couple of scriptures, he knows if that's your best or not. Are you going to go a little further to give a sacrifice for this flesh? Are you going to sacrifice this flesh and give him the best? He knows that in your finances, he knows when you are giving your best, Lord, I'm going to give you this because this is what I can afford. Now, it's really funny to say, and this is my words, not yours. I'm going to give you this because this is what I can afford, knowing that the money is his and everything that he has given me is his. So when I tell him this is what I can afford, he's laughing at me. Because why? Is that my best? Nowhere I see it where he said where you can afford. He said give your best. So that's just really blessing. He says, and the last part of it says, this is your reasonable service. That means it is what's required. It is what is demanded, commanded by God. It is the normal. So we ought to be outside of the normal. It is the normal. It means this is the standard, what I have given you, and you're giving me something, and I am still expecting more from you. Amen? He says there is no substitute, and the only way he receives it is fully. So it, just examine yourselves right now. If there is something in your life that you are not giving fully, please examine yourself. Point number two, inward, edification of the saints. I'm going to stay right here for a bit. I really, this is near and dear to my heart. How important it is. Well, the reason, one of the reasons for a church is that we that come in, we learn about God, we uh, encourage the brothers and sisters in the house of God, and we glorify God. This is a place where we can practice our, the talents and the gifts that God has given us. So it's, 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 it behooves us when we come into it, we join, we join a church we say that we are a member of this church, and we come here, and we are not giving into it. Because what you have, what God has placed inside you, we need here. And if you are not giving it, we are lacking. Amen? I don't expect a whole lot of amens on that because we are, we are holding back. Some of us, I'm going to say us, some of us are stingy. I'm going to ask you today, change that. This is a word from the Lord. I'm asking you today, change that. If you are not putting in, and I'm talking about times, talents, and resources, if you have a voice, if you can play the instruments, if you can uh, organize, if you have a gift of administration, if you have a helps ministry, if you are not giving to your church where God has placed you, where you have become a member, you are being stingy, and we are lacking. Edifying of the saints. This hit me hard, too. And I, I'm a servant. I know you like, Brother John, you serving. But it still hit me hard because there's still more than I can do. And I understand. We come from all walks of life. We have different expectations. Some of us have came from churches where I want the worship leader to, to sing me happy. I want the preacher to preach a great word and let it be quick because I don't need to be here all day because i got other things to do. And some churches, you didn't have to pay your tithes. You just gave whatever you gave and you, you moved on. Then we understand that. But as the teaching comes, receive the teaching. That in this house, there is a standard, and we're going by the Word of God. There is nothing that we're doing above, there is nothing that we're doing that's outside of the Word of God. So if that is the case, why not give to your body of Christ? Why not serve in your body of Christ? Changing the expectation. Uh, so many people have feel like that the church is like a classroom, but it's way more than a classroom where you just come and get data, come and get information. 
you are coming to a grip. Our apostle comes and he equips us. He, uh, he uh, energizes us. What did I have in here? I want to say, make sure I get everything. He, he allows us to, uh, he arms us up, equips us, and he adheres to let us practice our spiritual skills. Now, I remember uh, 1998 was when I joined his church. I went to Apostle David at uh, Faith Temple Christian Center at the time. And I was like, I married his daughter, and I was like, Dad, I know that God has called me to preach the word. I have no clue how I'll get this thing started. I have no clue of where do you want me to begin. And he said, well, amen. I'm going to put you in a ministry and training program that we here, have here, and I'm going to teach you. And I'm telling you, that was 1998 to 2015. He has not stopped. Still teaching me, and he has been faithful to this day. And I have seen lives change. My life has changed. You think that you get a good word from the Lord, and you'd be like, man, my life is going to change. Can't get no better than this. I'm there. And then he comes next Sunday, and he'd be like, oh, man, I didn't even get that. Now my life has changed. And then next Sunday, something happens. And I think that if, you, if you're not feeling what I'm feeling right now, and I think is you have not came with an expectation. Please let me tell you, when you come with an expectation for God's word, he is faithful to give it to you. Do you have an expectation when you go to the gas station that when you pay your money and you put that thing into your gas tank, you have an expectation? So I know that you can relate. But when we come here, I don't know if we put in a check in the block, and I'm not speaking to anybody but myself. The expectation is not as strong as we have for everything else in this world, and it should not be in the house of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you getting this? I want you to have it. This is base camp. I love the way God brought this out for me. This is base camp, and I know everybody not in the military, and I'm telling you, I got a lot of analogies of military because that's where I'm from. So for those that you are in the military, you're going to get it. And for those that you are not in the military, you're still going to get it because it's the word of God. So God said, hey, this is base camp. And let me tell you what's important about base camp. At base camp, this is where you get strengthened. This is where you get your supplies. This is where you get the mission. You get the information for the mission that is going to be happening. So what happens, Elder Giles, when I'm not here at base camp, when I've been gone too long? My mission was out maybe just a week. Maybe my mission was for two weeks, and I've been gone a month. What happens to that soldier? What happens to that man of God, do you think, or that woman of God, or that teenager, that child? What do you think happens to that person when he, is lit, he has left the base camp and not gotten the information, and he has ran out of supplies? What do you think happens to him? He gets what? It varies. Come on, say it. Supplies are, supplies are real low if they're not already depleted. Now, I'm just talking, I'm just talking, you know, I'm just talking about church. Now, I don't know why in our minds, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm faithful. When I'm on deployment, I'm at church because I know I need it. When I'm at home, I'm at church. I want to be here for prayer. I want to be here when I can. If I'm not here, if you are not here, you've got to have a good reason. Because base camp is where you get equipped. Far too long we going out there on these deployments spiritually have not been to, no getting any word. And I'm just going to tell you for those that like to, like to, uh, like my sister, she told me one time, she said, I'm, I'm uh, listening to the, the word on, on the TV show. And I'd be like, good, but where's your pastor? Are you paying tithes there? Are you getting rich from him? Is he uh, giving you the spiritual knowledge you need? Hey, that's good. 
But you need a pastor. For those that you say, you know what, I don't need to belong to a church. Well, the Bible says differently. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Are you getting this? You lose sight of the mission. You lose support. You lose supply. And you lose your weaponry. And my goodness, my wife was just getting on me today, so I'm going to talk about myself too. She said, babe, I always have to bring your Bible home. You always leave it. And my excuse is, might, might be some of your excuses, i got a Bible at home. Right? But I'm telling you, we got a lot of Bibles at the church, and I'm wondering, where is all these weapons? Uh, being, they're not being used. Oh, well, Brother Giles, Brother Giles, i got it in my heart. The Word is in my heart. But when you get an attack, can you say that scripture? And if you can, it's good. If you got it memorized, it's good. I don't got it memorized. That's why I got a couple of weapons. I got a couple of weapons under my mattress, under my bed. What's up when you need it? You know what I mean? Get it where you can get it. Ask yourself right now, what kind of church would I be if everyone was like me? Oh, what a slap in the face. This is just for me. First of all, I thought to myself, we would spend a lot less time on hair products. Some brothers can relate, right, right? But if every Christian was like me, what would worship look like? Would I, be, would I be leading the worship? I was, if you were the worship leader, would you be leading the worship? And how would that look? I know how it would look because I can't wait. I can't wait for the opportunity to sing because he is worth it. Get it in your head, young people. He is worth it. If I look crazy to you, that's okay. If I'm out of tune, that is okay. When I think about uh, King David, when he danced out of his clothes, I mean, I'm sure it was unseemly to some, but he said, I will be even more undignified than this. And I'm just thinking he's naked. What else could he do? But he said, I will be even more undignified than this. So let me encourage you. If that is your excuse today is that, man, I can't sing a lick. Man, I can't clap my hands. I'm going to be offbeat. Please, come sit next to me. Because if you offbeat and I'm on beat, we got the same beat, baby. You hear what I'm saying? What if everybody prayed like me? Would my prayer be like Jesus wept? Because that's the only thing I've learned. Would it be long 24-hour prayers? And I'm not saying anything good prayer, because if you've got a prayer life like that, Amen. I want to get there when I'm just communicating with our God all day long. Being led by God ain't nothing like it in the world. Or would I not show up when it's time for prayer? Well, I pray at home. Well, God bless you. Good job. But when it's time for corporate prayer, where are you? Do you value prayer time corporately with your brothers and sisters? I do. Please do so. Your leaders do. What if everybody gave tithes? Oh, you were doing good, brother, until you started talking about them tithes. What if everybody was paying tithes like you? Where would we be? I like to say that we would have money for missions trips, evangelism tours. I like to say that if everybody gave like me, there would not be a lack in the church. There would not be a lack. Nobody has to pay, pay dues and women's seeds and men's dues because everything is being provided for if everybody was paying tithes. Well, Brother Josh, you, God knows my heart. He knows how much I make. Yes, he does. And if you've been hearing the word these last couple of Sundays, last couple of months, last couple of years, last few 15 centuries, 
you would know that all he requires is what? Man, you guys know it. You want us to pass out some offering envelopes? We can get this thing started one more time. And what if everybody evangelized like you? Would the church be filled? Would lives be changed? And I'm just, let me let you know, I'm not, we're not looking for numbers, and I was just a, I'm a prime example. Because I'm telling you, I go out there and I talk to my coworkers, I talk to my neighbors, I talk to people, and it seems like they get their life together, and then they go to another church. And I'm like, man, where's my fruit, Lord? And he said, what are you looking for? The soul is for me. I was like, oh, my goodness, thank you. Thanks for putting things back in perspective. And yeah, I've invited people, and some people have come and they stayed, and I thank God for it. It's just really been a blessing to me. But if everybody evangelized like you, can you look around in the room right now, and can you see someone that you've evangelized to, somebody that you disciple, somebody that you have invested in? Three years was an example that Jesus gave us. Three years he walked with somebody, talked with them, dwelt with them. I know there's a time limit for us because after 10 o'clock, I don't really want you in my house. There's a time limit for us because if you call me after 10 o'clock, there might be a problem. You might not get that prayer after 10 o'clock. I'm just talking about myself. So try me out. Call me after 10. I'm going to be there for you. All right? So when we are evaluating ourselves, this is the time when we usually give ourselves a pat on the back because, hey, Evangelizing, that's my strong point. Prayer, that's my strong point. Prayer, that's my strong point. Living for God, reading my Bible, praying, that's my strong point. And in those areas where we're weak at, you'd be like, you know what, I'm going to give myself a little grace. Lord knows my heart. And I'm going to tell you the same thing that you said. The Lord knows your heart. Do not be foolish in thinking that he is just going to continue, continue to just take halfway sacrifices. You remember the word of the Lord? It is the standard. It is what's required. If you're given anything less, there is a problem. We all play a role in the edifying of the church. We need your strength. We need your weaknesses. Why do we need your weaknesses? So that we can help you build it up, and you can help us build up our weaknesses. Where you're strong at, I may be weak at. And if you're not giving to me what you're strong at, I am lacking. The church is lacking. Do you love me? Do you love me? Thank the both of you for saying yes. Do you love me, church? I'm representing you. When I'm up here, I'm representing you when I'm asking this question. I love you. So what I can provide for you in my strength areas, I will provide for you. If you need to see me do it, you need to be see me operate in it, I will do it. And I will be humble because I know that it is important for the body of Christ that we edify one another. But some say, you know what, I don't, want to, I don't want to show up. I don't want to be a participator. I don't want to be held accountable. I've got two stories for you, the personal testimonies, or two stories that I will share with you. Is that I had a friend that I was uh, a disciple, and he, was, he had a tour here. I got out the Navy. And uh, I remember we went to lunch t- together. And then he went, and he gave me one of his credit cards. And he would say, I'm a, you know, I'll buy you, fly you, come with me, and I'll, uh, I'll pay for your food if you drive me there. And I was like, cool. So when he, when he gave the, uh, the credit card to the to the person to pay for the food, and it's like, sir, it's declined. 
And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Meg, I was really looking for that Wendy's burger, that, that, that Baconator. Brother was really happy about it, right? And when he was declined, I was like, man. So the first time, I was like, you know what, I got it. Let me go ahead and pay for it because I was really had my mouth set on getting a free meal. But you know what, he didn't have money. And it happens, right? Then a month later, hey, Sam, let's go get something to eat, man. And I was like, okay, cool. But, you know, in the back of my mind, hey, your finances are good? I'm thinking to myself, but I didn't say nothing. Then he went out there, and then guess what? He pulled out that same card. Looked like it ain't never been used before. So he passes to me, and I'm looking at him like, I pass to the lady, and then here it go. What do you think she said? Third decline. I'm like, man, watch out now. Last time you gave me, I don't know if you remember this, but the last time you gave it to me, I said, what is going on with your finances, brother? And this is what he said. He said, man, I don't even check my bank account because I don't want I don't want to go in there and it tells me that I don't have no money in there. What he was basically telling me is I don't want to be accountable. I'm just going to keep going at it because I know that's, my, that's where my money's going. But when I spend all my money, that is my tale. Somebody's telling me that you can't spend no more money. Your card is declined. You cannot live like that for God. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that I'm out of line. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that I'm wrong. You have the word. You get your bank account. This is what's telling you. Who is checking their bank account every day? And then there was another story. of a dermatologist. That was he. That's a skin doctor. For those of you who don't know, and he saw he was in the mall, and he saw he saw a couple that were uh, that were shopping, and he went to the couple. And he, he saw on the man's face that he had a um, a skin a, a familiar skin condition. So he, as a dermatologist. He thought it was his duty to tell him, you know, I see signs and I see symptoms of what I know in my field of study that there's a problem. So he went and told him, sir, do you have a, a rare form of, you know, uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but he said you have, a, you have a, the makings of a skin disease, a skin cancer. And the man, you know how he received him? Man, why are you telling me? Are you trying to ruin my day? Don't be telling me nothing like that. He says, hey, but this is, my, this, is my, this is what I know. And my job is to, to tell you, my job, so you can get it checked out. I'm trying to help you, but you get mad when you get corrected. This is another part of edifying the body. That sometimes we're going to have to tell each other that I, I'm, I'm in love with confrontation, man. I, I, I'm going to come at it when it comes to confrontation. What does the Bible say about confrontation? I really want to point this out to you. What does the Bible say that when your, when your brother don't want to do right, you kick him to the curb, kick him out of the church? Let's see what Galatians 6 and 1 says. If you go there with me, I want you to go there because I want to make sure you read the word for yourself. Don't be believing old brother Giles. What is Galatians 6 and 1? Brother, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which you are spiritual, Kick him out of the church. Tell his family where they can go to. Don't let them in the back so they can't be taught. If you see their children on the street, don't ask them for a ride. Am I reading this right? Okay, okay, we got something. Oh, here it goes. Those of which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. I always remind, I'm always reminded, but for the grace of God, anytime I hear about somebody failing, anytime somebody that failed to a temptation or made a mistake, not for the grace of God, that could have been me. 
Not too long ago, I've had, I had a fellow, uh, fellow chief that I worked with. He got caught up in a, in a, in a prostitution ring. And, uh, woo, I'm talking about the meeting that we had right after that. They was going to string him up. If we were still hanging people, I'm telling you, he would have been gone. But all I can think of, man, is, man, Lord, it was a quick prayer to pull my brother. And it was also, uh, if it had not been for the grace of God, that could have been me. He, I don't know what his background was. I don't know if he went to church. I know now. We've been spending time together. But I, would, I, mean, I don't know where he came from in the background at, before I knew him. But I was always thinking to myself, if I had been raised like him, if I didn't have accountability like him, where, that where I, that's where I would be. Oh, and I love this. God has showed me this uh, in Sparta. I know some of you have seen that movie, The Spartans 300. Uh, 300. I can't remember the name of the king, but it was in 404 B.C. They had asked the king, um, why, do you, why do your city doesn't have any walls? And he told him, each man is a brick. Brother Ron, stand up. You guys see Thomas Refuge in the back, stand up. The Pharaoh's already standing. Brother Juan, can you stand? Each man is a brick. Coffee, stand. Brother Kim, stand. Monica, stand up. Tiffany Gray, stand up. James Gray, stand up. Oh, I'm sorry. Both refuges, stand up. Sinson, stand up. Pastor Brunson, would you stand? Gittin's family, could you stand? Shavers, could you stand? Would you please? Each man is a brick. I'm talking about edifying the body. Lewis's, could you stand? Franklin's, could you stand? Chantel, could you stand? Al Blackburn, you got time, you can come on and stand up. Jenkins family, stand. Mr. Pippins, could you stand? Forgive me if I don't call you everybody by name, but let me tell you that each man is a brink. I am, I am fortified. This is my wall. This is my accountability. This is your accountability. Take your seat. Now, if I did not call your name, you're in this body of Christ. That's what you're doing for me. I feel fortified. I feel edified. If you do not feel edified, what is missing? What is going on in the pattern that you're not calling? I remember I was talking to the testimony last week of how I didn't want to call my elders. What a mistake that was. I still, still thank God that he, he made a way for me. It reminded me again this morning when I was being prayed for. I'm telling you, deacons, leaders, if you're not in the, uh, that morning prayer with us, oh, my God, what are you missing out on? Elder Kim prayed a prayer, heavy in tears God was just sharing with her. Elder, Elder Willie came right behind and just solidified that thing. I was like, oh, my gosh. Let's take, let's take the roof off this thing. I'll just preach to the whole world. I'm ready. Are you getting this? You got it? Say amen so I know that you got it. Edifying the body. Third point is evangelism. A lot of people cringe when we talk about evangelism for some reason. Some people say it's overrated. It's so easy if we just live it. You know how people say, uh, what was that phrase? It says that everywhere I go I tell a testimony and sometimes I use words. I just want to be a light. I just want to be a light to people. It's very good. There are times when we're going to have to speak up. 
there are some times when people are going to ask questions. And then the spotlight is on you. How will you glorify God? What will you say? Will you give him the glory or will you just pass it off? Because I don't know. Maybe it's just God. But there should be a confidence in your evangelism. This is what you're here for. Let me tell you, if you are not evangelizing, if you are not living a life that's pleasing to God, you are not evangelizing. If you are keeping it to yourself, you are not evangelizing. That means to me that you do not care what God cares for. And I can remind you of the prodigal son. Jesus spoke in parables so that you could understand. The father was waiting. That's what breaks his heart, that his son was not there. His daughter was not there. You have coworkers, You have neighbors that are waiting. And yes, somebody may have rejected you, but that's okay. The seed has been planted. God, I love the way he does that because if you get rejected, you think the seed has not been planted? The seed has still been planted. And he might use somebody else to water it. But if you're scared to shake them seeds and throw them out there, come on. That's what God wants. It's breaking his heart. I can be so full of his word, I can be so full of relationship with him that I totally omit the lost soul that I'm standing next to, that I'm living right next to. Who is my neighbor? So many excuses for, for us not to go in. I remember Pastor Brosnan preaching the song, All In, Why It Can't Be Done. But let me ask you a question. Who does the credit go to? Does it go to the man on the sidelines? Does it go to the fans in the field? Who does the credit go to? Is it the general managers? Now, we're talking about sports. I'm using that as an analogy. But is it, is it the guy that is on the field? Not the guy that is in the game, the girl that is in the game. Who does the credit go to? It is easy to say what, he what she should have done. She should have hit that ball a little higher, or he should have passed the ball. I think about when uh, our Super Bowl... And they said they should have passed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. When you down at the bottom, you pass the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Why is he throwing to somebody else? But it's easy to say that when you're not in the game. It's easy to say that, man, this is what I would have done. I even think about Adam and Eve. I think about it all the time. It's like, man, if I was Adam. Have anybody ever said that? If I was Adam, boy, it may not have happened with the apple. It probably would have happened, it would have happened with something else. Not for the grace of God. In the game. Get in the game, church. God needs you in the game. Think about Billy Graham was one of the things that really blessed my heart. Billy Graham was, uh, he was evangelizing to, and he did a lot of crusades. And a woman came up to him, a Christian woman. And she says, Mr. Graham, I do not like the way you are evangelizing to these people. The man was so humble. He said, okay, how do you do? And she said, I do not evangelize. He says, well, my wrong way or unfavored way of doing things is way much better than your not doing things. Bless my heart. Because, yeah, we may, be, we may be doing a little bit wrong. We might not do it the way that someone else expects it, but we're doing it. And I'm asking you today, do it. Evangelize. Act like you care. And care sincerely. Love those that, that, that do not love you. Tell them about Jesus. Who is to say that you can't share a word about God? What I do love is what's, what, what's in you will come out when he needs it. So I always encourage you, put more in you. 
If you feel like you don't have no words to say, put more in you. If you feel like you can't put more, you can't say more than memorize one scripture, put more in you. I'm concerned that the church is asleep. Do you see what's going on? Do you see what's going on in the news? Do you see the signs of the time? We cannot afford it to sit idly by and be so wrapped up into the things of this world, the distractions of this world. I was, uh, I don't watch the show, and I'm not, I'm not judging anybody who watches the show, but uh, I saw on the news of uh, Empire, number one show in the country, and I came, I was like three point something million viewers. I'm like, we are so sleepy. And then I go to work and I hear about it, and people say, you know, I'm so caught up. I, I'm so behind on my, uh, which college they come back the next day, and they say, I'm all caught up. I done rented the whole first season or whatever, and I'm like, whoa. You got time to sit and watch a whole season. I don't know how long, about 45 minutes of, and I'm like, man, we are sleeping. If we feel that we can put all this time and entertain our flesh, let me take you to Thessalonians. Now, this really blessed my heart. Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. I want, to, I want you to get this because this is very important. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting from the first verse, we're going to go to 1 to 3. This is, this is so important. When, it, when we talk about the signs of the times and what, is, what are we doing, what do we need to prepare for, what do we need to be doing? Upward, inward, outward. Evangelizing is so important. It says, but of the times and the seasons, brother, have you no need that I write unto you? For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. No one knows when a thief is coming. No one has an expectation of when you're going to get robbed. He said he's coming as a thief in the night. Now think about when I was a little kid and I heard songs by the whining. The whining said a song called The Question Is. And it was like, when will Jesus return? Soon, 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 soon. It might not be in your key that you want it to be. Soon, soon, soon. And I'm thinking as a young man, 10 years old, he's coming soon. I'm hearing what the Word of God says, and if he's coming soon, I better get it together. I better get it together now because we don't know. It just, just says soon. And my definition of soon is like your definition of soon, that any minute he can come. And then I found out as I got older, they've been talking about this for years, way before me, centuries. They were expecting him back in the disciples' days. So then I began to get slack. Oh, he's been coming 2,000 years ago. He's still coming. Our forefathers thought that he was becoming in their generation. And I could believe, I could look at the, the signs of the time, I said, I think he could come in our generation. But let's read on. Let's see what it says. For when, the, for when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Do we have destruction in our world today? Wars and rumors of world. As travail upon, here it goes right here, as travail upon a woman with a child. They shall not escape. And I thought about that. I remember when, when my wife's water broke. We had been expecting that he was, she was coming soon. My first daughter, Ajante, it was our first baby. We had an expectation that she was coming soon. The term was nine months, but we're not, we're not focused on the nine months. I want you to focus on that he's coming soon. And when do you know when the baby is coming? When those contractions get what? Worse. Closer together. It was at 10 minutes apart. Now they're at 5 minutes apart. Now they're at 2 minutes apart. Oh, man, the baby's coming. Look at the world. Earthquakes, 
Wars and rumors of wars, they get more frequently and more frequently. We need you to evangelize. We need you to tell people that Jesus is coming back. We need you to know that Jesus is coming back. Don't sleep on this church. What will you be doing when Jesus comes back? Will you be like one of those, that, that three million that is trying to catch up on empire? Catch it up on the walking dead? That's me. I like walking dead. But will you be doing that when Jesus returns? Or will you be evangelizing? Will you be discipling someone? Will you have somebody that you can say that you're leading? And somebody that you're following? Are you let your gifts be uh, flourish inside the church? Please don't sleep on it. Upward. Inward. coming back. Go to Matthews. I wanted to show you a couple of more signs. Matthews 24, one chapter before 25. God help me. I didn't even get to the scripture. God has got a new way of doing things. I'll just do it with him. Matthews 25. 24, I'm sorry. Starting at the 23rd verse, Matthew 24, 23. It says, There if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore they, if there shall be, or wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Oh, I'm going to There shall be great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world to this time, and except those days. That's not it either. Am I reading the right one? You don't got a guess for me. I appreciate it, though. But what I was trying to get, God, uh, I mean, Lord, but what I was trying to get you is the signs of the times, and it had uh, mentioned it about the signs, times, about the rumors, wars and rumors of wars, fathers against sons, daughters against mothers, and that's what I was trying to get. I got the wrong scripture. I was getting a little too excited. I was just writing everything down. So in conclusion, as the disciples were expecting him, we expect him today, at any moment. And as the contractions are getting longer, we need to be about our job. What do we want to be found doing when Christ returns? Upward, inward, out, edifying the body, evangelizing, glorifying God. Now, suffice to say that if you are doing, if you're glorifying God, the other two will come into play. He will lead you and he will direct you and he will direct you into what he needs from you. And it won't, it won't be far off. It would be exactly what he's wanting, he's wanting to do. So instead of being nervous, be excited about his return. Share with somebody. Somebody needs to hear that today. That might be the very word that would change their lives. I'm excited. This is the very word that is going to change your lives today. That evangelism will be going forth. 
And they would not be in the shame. They would not be, not be ashamed of telling somebody about God. If you're ashamed of it, get your life right. Get it together so you will not be ashamed of what God has done for you. I'm a living witness. Say, God has brought me out of the muck and the miry. If you look to your left, if you look to your right, God has brought that person out. And some, some of you may be ashamed of your testimony. You may not want it. And for those of you that are ashamed, I'm going to keep telling mine. I'm going to bust the devil so he don't have nothing to bust me out on. And we got lots of brothers and sisters that do the exact same thing in the house. Not ashamed of what God has brought up, brought me out of. Don't be ashamed of what God has brought you up. Whatever the reason is that you can't, that you say that you don't want to evangelize. God is worth it. He is so worth it. 